Good morning, GYC. Oh, come on. Good morning, GYC. Thank you for being here this morning. It is a joy to be here with you all, and I'm really excited to share this message this morning. <laughs> Let's dive in, shall we? So before I ask you to open your Bibles with me, I want to give you a little bit of context. I'm someone who I like to know what to expect. Maybe you're not like that, and if you want a surprise, plug your ears. I'll tell you when you can come back. But I like to know what to expect when I go different places or when I hear different kinds of messages. So I wanted to let you know what we'll be doing together for the next few mornings. But first, some context. So I came to GYC 11 years ago. Here my slides here for a second. Maybe. All right. I came here to GYC 11 years ago, and that's when I became a Christian, Seventh-day Adventist or otherwise. Um, I grew up in a Seventh-day Adventist home. I grew up with godly parents, and I went to church, but it was something I did because it's what you do, not because it was something that I resonated with or I believed. And it was several months in the making. You know those long decisions where different people talk to you and different people answer your questions. But I was like, yeah, okay, good information, appreciate it. And then I'd go on my way. But at the Sunday charge of that GYC in 2010 in Baltimore, Maryland, I can't even tell you what the appeal was on that Sunday morning. I just remember what my decision was. And my decision was, Jesus, I don't know where you're gonna take me, but I surrender to you. I surrender to your love that I can no longer explain away. I surrender to your love that I can no longer ask questions to sideline. And I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior and wherever you wanna go, let's do it. But then going home was really hard. Now, I don't wanna bring up going home because I mean, we're all gonna go home. And it's like, Callie, we just got here, relax. We don't need to talk about that yet. But we are going to go home. We're going to go home to our respective churches, our respective communities. And that was really hard for me because I'd had this mountaintop experience with Jesus at GYC. And then I went home. And it wasn't that mountaintop experience. Now, there's nothing wrong with mountaintop experiences. They're all throughout Scripture, and they're good. But sometimes we might think that's the only thing that we should experience, and sometimes our lows afterwards are so low. They're like, man, was, did I really see Jesus? Did I really have that experience with him? And so the purpose of these morning devotional times, these conversations we're gonna have together, is how to have meaningful devotions after GYC. How to have that walk with God when you're not surrounded by other people who harmonize when you sing and who have different Bible verses to share with you, how to have that yourself. Because if I'm being honest with you, out of the last 11 years, I would say a solid eight of them, my personal time with God, my morning watch, my time of personal Bible study, whatever we wanna call it, was a source of peace, but it was also a lot of times a source of anxiety. I'd ask questions like, am I praying long enough? Did I pray for that person I said I was gonna pray for probably in the last three months? 
Am I reading the right Bible first? Because I really should study Daniel Revelation, but I should also study Psalms. And I've heard Genesis is really good, but you should always read the Gospels, right? But I should also read Paul's letters. And I should, I mean, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, so I should read like the Old Testament, you know? So what, what am I supposed to do? And oftentimes that got in the way of my personal walk with God. And it was, but in the last few years, God has taught me some things that I want to share the next few mornings that have really helped me have that peace and that devotional life that I believe God wants all of us to have. And so, the morning, this morning's message is called Exposed. And we'll just leave it there for now. We'll talk about that this morning. So if you go with me in your Bibles to John chapter 4, John chapter 4, while you're making your way there, this is the story of the woman at the well, one of my favorite stories in all of scripture. The chapter opens in verse 1 where it says, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made him baptize more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. So Jesus is somewhere, he's going somewhere else. That's kind of it. But then in verse four it says, but he needed to go through Samaria. So Jesus and his disciples are going from Judea to Galilee and he needs to go through Samaria. This is just a side note, but this this meant a lot to me when when I learned this. And that is geographically, Jesus didn't have to go through Samaria. Most Jews bypassed it completely. They went on this side, see that dotted line there on the right side of the green arrows? That's where most Jews, most self-respecting Jews would go. They'd completely bypass Samaria. So Jesus needed to go through Samaria for another reason than geography. And it's from this conversation with the woman at the well. So let's, let's read a little bit here together. In verse five it says, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied from his journey sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Verse seven, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Jesus is on his way and he stops in Samaria. He stops, it's about the sixth hour, which in Jewish time reckoning is noon. He's hot because it's noon. He wants water because it's hot, because it's noon. And he asks just a very simple question. Can I, you know, give me some water? And in this culture especially, it was your duty to give someone water in that situation, especially if someone's asking for it. This is very communal, this very giving, this very thinking of others, taking care of the traveler that is within your sphere of influence, very, very common. (laughs) But the woman at the well reacts differently to what Jesus says. In verse nine, the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, Ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Spoiler, Jesus never gets his water. Not in the whole conversation. In fact, at the end, she leaves her water pot and goes back to Samaria. So no water is had for Jesus. But that's what started this whole conversation. I want to talk for a second about tone of voice. 
In the Bible, we're given things that maybe indicate a tone of voice, like this kind of makes sense where this is the way it's spoken. Sometimes it goes either way. For example, in Matthew 23, when Jesus says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you who devour the poor, I've heard two, at least two different reckonings of that, tone of voice wise. One is, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you who devour, like that. Another one, is, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you who devour the poor. Do you notice how the same exact words, the tone of voice changes? And the message changes, right? We do that in real life, right? Like, oh yeah, it's fine. Or, it's fine. Right, very, very different messaging there. And so tone of voice has that different. We don't have audio recordings of the Bible. Again, we have indications, but no audio recordings. So to figure out this woman at the well's tone of voice, let's look a little closer at other things she says. Because she could say, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan? That's not what I think she sounded like, but let's look closer. So then Jesus in verse 10, we're going to go a little bit quickly, but we'll come back in, a, in shortly. Verse 10 Jesus starts talking about living water. And she responds in verse 11, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Verse 15, Sir, give me this water, that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Verse 19, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. These are snapshots of, of their conversation. And I get the sense that she's not being respectful in her conversation with Jesus. It's kind of hard to respectfully say, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? It's more of, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? Who fed his family and his livestock with this? Or, sir, the well is deep and you have nothing to draw with. So then where do you get this living water? That's the kind of sense that, that I get of her tone of voice here. And at the end of the conversation, in verse 25 and 26, if you go there with me, after this conversation of worship and what true worship is, and Jesus clarifies those things, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he would tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am who? I am he. The whole time, I wonder what went through her mind in that moment. Like she's saying all these things like, are you greater than our father Jacob? <laughs> yes, I am. Where do you get this water? I created water. Like, what? And so, at, personally, because I talk like the woman at the well, sometimes, and at that moment, I'd be like, oh no, <laughs> I've been talking to the Messiah this whole time. <laughs> That's uncomfortable. <laughs> but, you know, she responds, she drops her water pot, she goes back to Samaria, she tells them, come meet a man who's told me everything I've ever done. If she knew that Jesus was Jesus, the whole conversation, do you think she would have talked to him the same way? No. But you know what's interesting? Jesus was Jesus the whole time. 
Jesus was Jesus the whole conversation. Did you notice he never got defensive? Like, are you greater than Jacob? And he could have been like, I, yes. Of course I am. What do you mean? I don't need wells. I created the whole earth. How dare you question me? How dare you ask me about worship practices? I'm the person you worship. Jesus answered her questions. And this shows me something very important about Jesus. And that is Jesus can handle whatever you share, however you share it. Jesus can handle whatever you share, however you share it. I have this sense that sometimes we treat Jesus like a really expensive doll on a really expensive shelf. When we wanna have spiritual time, we take him down from his shelf, we say nice pleasant spiritual things, and then we go back over here and we deal with the rest of our life. We deal with our feelings and our traumas and our difficult situations and our work and our studies and things that are confusing or hard. We do it over there. We do the spiritual things over here. But Jesus was with her and Jesus was not offended by her or overwhelmed by her or scared by her. He's like, cool, let's talk about it. In fact, let's talk about multiple husbands. Let's talk about it all. That was a little too much for her. She's like, mm, adorable. Let's talk about other things. <laughs> But one of the main things that allows us to have an intimate, real relationship with, with Christ is we remember we can come to Jesus with our bad attitudes. We can come to Jesus with a, you know, Lord, I know you've parted Red Sea, so I don't know why you won't do this for me. Like, I love you and I trust you, but I really don't get this. And that allows us to have an intimacy and it allows us to process and it allows us to heal. You're not gonna heal yourself over here and Jesus over there. There is no self-healing mechanisms that are given to us. We bring our brokenness and our traumas and our scared and our everything, and we're like, Jesus, this is what's going on. Jesus like, yeah, let's talk about it. I wanna delve into that with you. I wanna tell you a story. This is um, the driveway at my mom's house where I like to go walk sometimes. And I was walking there recently and I realized there was something that I hadn't been talking to Jesus about. I've been being very pleasant. Like, Lord, please help in this situation. So my husband, David, we've been married two years, and he doesn't have his green card yet. He can visit, but he can't stay here, and he has to go back to Kenya. Long distance dating is terrible. Long distance marriage, the worst. Do not recommend. Absolutely awful. And you know, I've, I've been praying for a long time that Jesus would allow us to be together here. And as of this moment, we can't. He's gonna go back to Kenya in a few months. And people will say things like, well, there's COVID. And like the embassy had to shut down. I'm like, yeah, I get that. But God part of the Red Sea, so I don't care. I don't care about your logistical constraints. My God stops the sun, so whatever. Like, no, God can do anything. Like, I appreciate that, but no. And I've experienced miracles. I've, had, I've asked God for money to buy groceries I didn't have and a stranger came up to me and said, here's 40 bucks, God told me to give it to you. So I know who this God is. And I'm like, I've asked for this for months. Why couldn't you give me this? You clearly led me together with this man. You clearly led me back to the US. Why are you, I don't like it. And to be honest, I have no idea why. Maybe it's so I can give this analogy at GYC, I don't know. 
but I don't know why. But something about that honest conversation and, being, and just saying the longer version of what I'm saying right now, of Lord, I don't get it, but I trust you. I'm upset, but I trust you. This is what I want, but I trust you. And supernaturally, yes, of course, I still want my husband here and I'm still sad about him leaving, but I'm not angry or resentful. I'm just like, Jesus is gonna do what Jesus is gonna do and I'm along for the ride. But that processing and that healing only came in his presence. It didn't come over there. I didn't heal myself or convince myself I'm gonna trust Jesus. I'm gonna trust Jesus. I'm gonna tr- that, doesn't, that doesn't work. Instead of saying, Jesus, help me trust you. Jesus, this is how I feel. Jesus, this is what I need. And Jesus like, let's, let's do it. And that supernatural healing comes in communion with Christ, not in conjuring it up by yourself. If that makes sense, please say amen. amen. Let's continue with our story. In John chapter four. So Jesus asked for a drink of water. The woman at the well said, no, kind of. (laughs) Then in verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I love the logistics of verse 11. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Verse 12, are you greater than Jacob? Sometimes Jesus tells us things and we're like, that's a really cool idea. But until you prove to me how you're gonna do it, I'm not gonna believe you. Jesus, I hear you that you want me to minister to my neighbor, but they're like super ungodly. <laughs> like, let's be honest, Jesus, I should have a better project than that. Lord, I hear you that you want me to be this kind of person or go to this kind of school, but let's be honest, that's not gonna logistically work. Jesus, I hear you that you've covered me in your righteousness, but like I don't feel it. I don't feel your righteousness. So clearly, it's not true. Jesus, I hear you on how you're going to empower me and you're gonna fill me with your Holy Spirit and guide me, but I don't really understand the logistics of the supernatural realities, so I'm not gonna live like that. Faith is not seeing a 20-step plan. Faith is seeing Jesus. Faith is not seeing, oh, I totally understand how that's gonna work. Thanks for sharing that with me. Faith is, I know Jesus, I trust Jesus. The end. And yes, it has implications and expressions in our life, but it's because of who we know, not because of what we know. And so faith is seeing him even when you can't see how. Faith is Mary saying to the angel, let it be according to what you say. So overshadowed by the Holy Spirit thing, that is outside, no idea what that means. Let's do it. Great. That is faith. So we may not understand everything that Jesus says, but we understand Jesus' love for us and we've seen enough that we're like, I see this much, I don't know what's over there, but I'll trust you in the gap. Jesus and the woman kept talking a little bit more. So after she says that, she, he goes back to the, talking about water. It's also interesting because like she doesn't, 
give him water, but then he doesn't directly answer a lot of our questions, which is also interesting. Anyways, so verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Verse 15, at this point, the woman is either, I don't know, sincere, like, yes, give me that water. Or she's like, all right, fine, give me this water, whatever. Verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Verse 16, Jesus takes a sharp left turn. Go call your husband and come here. The woman says what I would have said. Sir, I have no husband. And that's all we need to say about that. And Jesus said, "Mm, actually. (laughs) Verse 17, you have well said, I have no husband. For you've had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband in that you spoke truly. Thank you for that expansion on my answer. You know what's interesting though is like Jesus, (laughs) Jesus says what he says but there's no like condemnation in anything that he says. It's like he's reading just like a list of facts. It is true that you have no husband. You've had five husbands. The person who you live with is not your husband. You're right. She's like, okay, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) And then she takes a left turn. Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Let's talk about culture and theology. Let's go all the way over here. (laughs) Jesus knew all these things about her. And a few verses later in verse 26, Jesus said, you know, I who speak to you am he, I'm the Messiah. This woman at the well, this woman of Samaria was one of the very few people that got an explicit confirmation of who Jesus was. Jesus would say it kind of sideways to some people, like parables, and then he'd say it to like random people in the night, different places. But he just said, sure, yeah, that's me. At this point, again, after she's been talking to him this way and he knows, like all these men in her life, and she's like, uh. But remember how she reacts. She doesn't fall to the ground in condemnation and like, oh, I'm the worst. She's like, I'm gonna go tell everybody. <laughs> this is what I should do. I'm gonna leave this pot behind and go tell the whole city about this guy who knows everything about me. Jesus knew the ins and outs of her life and he still chose to give her such an honor of just saying who he was. Before David and I, my husband, before David and I started dating, we had this little in-between stage where we told each other we had romantic feelings for each other. But then before we started dating, we had this in-between time where we wanted to talk to mentors, like, are we crazy? Is this a good idea? Like, what do you guys think? Um, And we also wanted to have some difficult conversations. And I can tell you my goals for those conversations were, I knew that if there were certain things I didn't tell David, if he were to say things like, I really, really like you, or I love you, and if he didn't know those things, in my head, I would say, sure you do, because you don't know this. Or, that's cute. (laughs) 
words because you don't know that. And so my purpose in those conversations was to get rid of all of those. So if David were to say, I love you, I'd be like, well, he has informed consent on that. He knows what he's saying. He knows. (laughs) And I believe in a way this is something that Jesus was doing in this conversation of you don't have to hide. I know why you're here in the middle of the day instead of really early or really late with all the other women. I know why you're here. I know what you've done. I know the details. And I'm still here. I know all of it. You don't even have to say it. You can just say your little short answer. I'll just make it clear to you that I'm aware of all the other details. And I'm still going to sit here and talk to you about true worship. I'm still going to reveal to you myself as the Messiah. After Jesus said what he said about all the husbands, she makes her left turn. And Jesus goes along with it, right? She says, sir, perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. Let's talk about, it's kind of like someone being like, hey, (laughs) I want to talk to you about this really dark thing in your life. You're like, cool, yeah. What's your stance on vaccine mandates? Let's talk about that instead. Let's just take a really sharp left turn and talk about something controversial. (laughs) I wonder what would have happened if she would have shared more about that in her life with Jesus at that moment. I wonder what would have happened if instead of she, her bringing up a controversial point, if she would have said, yeah, I'm really ashamed and I feel really judged and I don't feel like I know what to do anymore because I mean, I'm so far gone, right? Like this has happened five times, that's a lot and I don't, I don't know what to do. I wonder what would have happened if she would have leaned into the painful and the difficult instead of running away from it. And I wonder what would happen for us if we did that too. I wonder what would happen if in our devotional life, in our prayer time, if we came to Jesus and we're like, Lord, I have a really hard time with my relationship with my mom. She really hurts my feelings a lot. Lord, I have a really hard time with this passage in the Old Testament. Like, I don't get it. Like, yeah, I can accept it by faith, but like, it just makes you look like a jerk. And I don't really know how to reconcile that. Lord, I I have these really scary desires that I don't know what to do with. And I feel like if I were to tell somebody, I would be ostracized from everybody that I know, but I don't know how to deal with it. Lord, I don't feel like I have any friends. Like I have friends, but I don't have friends. And that feels really lonely. Lord, sometimes when I get so angry, I just say the most, I just say the most terrible things. And I know I shouldn't, but like, I don't know how to stop doing that. I just feel like it's a part of me at this point. That's just who I am. But like, I don't wanna be that person. And so how do I not be that person? Lord, that thing that happened to me when I was seven, what do I do with that? What even was that? Lord, I've had this habit for 15 years at this point, so clearly it's not going anywhere, but I don't really know what to do with that. Lord, sometimes I don't like hanging out with you. 
prayer or Bible study. It's just, I know I should. And like that girl Callie at GYC was like, this is important. And so like, I'm here, but I'm just not really feeling it. These are the kinds of things that we can talk to Jesus about. And that thing that the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now that I didn't say, it includes that too. Whatever it is, we should lean into the difficult and the painful with Jesus. He's not an expensive doll on an expensive shelf. That's not a thing. He's the king of the universe. And he's able to handle anything that we give him. I don't know what the state of your personal devotional life is. Whether you're like, yeah, I've been having devotions every day for eight years, awesome. Or you're like, you keep using the word devotional life, I don't really know what that means. Or I think I had devotions a month ago, was it? The purpose of devotions isn't to fulfill a checklist or to do your Christian duty for the day or even to get God to like you, because he already does. One of the purposes of a devotional life is to be exposed in Jesus' presence. And I can't explain to you, I'm a logistics person myself, I can't explain to you why it heals you, I just know it does. I can't tell you why you're like, why? But like Jesus already knows this. I know, isn't it crazy how just saying it anyways helps? I don't know. But doesn't God already know? He does. He does. But there's something supernatural in this exchange, in this relationship with Christ, where you're talking to him and you're voluntarily sharing your heart. You're voluntarily sharing your fears. You're voluntarily sharing your questions. And that is healing because you realize this God of the universe who created everything and who loves everyone, but he loves you and he knows you. He knows about that thing that's like on the very edge of your consciousness. You're like, I've never told anybody about that. Yeah, God knows. That question that you're like, man, I'm a church leader, but like, I really don't understand this fundamental belief. I don't actually agree with it. Jesus knows that too. Jesus knows about your, your questions, your desires, your bad ways of acting when you're angry. Jesus knows. And he's still, still so much wants to commune with you and talk with you at the well of your life. I think it was a blessing to that woman to not know she was talking to Jesus most of the time because I think that allowed her to be her authentic self. I think that allowed her to be, <laughs> ask her questions, make her accusations, and Jesus like, cool, let's do it. It didn't scare him, it doesn't scare him now. Your questions, your accusations, they don't scare Jesus. He's just like, I'm happy to talk. Let's talk about it right now. So, to recap the things that we've covered together, being exposed is hard and it's painful, but with Jesus, it is healing 100% of the time. But remember, healing doesn't always feel good, just to be clear. Healing is sometimes painful. You know like when you have a really 
hard workout, especially if you lift weights one day, the next day you feel like you've been hit by a truck, that's good. You're healing. <laughs> but you still feel like you got hit by a truck. Jesus can handle you share however you share it. Talk to Jesus the way that you talk. Ask the questions that you have. Share the thoughts that you have. Share your fears. Share your accusations. Lord, you said you would do this, but I haven't seen this. Jesus can handle it. If you don't think so, read Job. Jesus can handle it. Faith is seeing him even when you don't see how he can. It's focusing on your relationship with him and not your understanding of the logistical step-by-step -step of the rest of your life. And lastly, lean into the difficult and the painful with him. I know from experience that GYC is a really, really busy time. And it's busy for great reasons. You're meeting new people, you're seeing old friends, you're going to all these plenaries, lots of people talking, you eat really delicious food, and like there's a lot of great things. Breakout rooms, prayer, all wonderful. But I wanna challenge you this GYC to spend time alone with Jesus. I am not gonna give you a time limit because there's nothing holy about a time limit. An hour, great, five minutes, fine. Seven hours, you do you. Spend time alone with Jesus, not to impress anyone or to show off anything, but just to abide with Jesus. If you can do it at the beginning of the day, awesome. If you can't, the day is not lost. I don't know if you do this thing where sometimes you, like, you don't have devotional time in the morning, like before 7.30 a.m. I don't know why it's like the magical, like holy time cutoff or something. But it's not before 7.30 a.m. and then you're like, man, this day is wasted. I can't talk to Jesus anymore. Like Jesus doesn't close up shop at 7.30. I don't know if we know that. Like he doesn't. He is available. So when Jesus came and hung out with the woman at the well at noon, Jesus was there at noon. Jesus is also awake at 10.30 at night, kind of late, I know, but he's awake. So yes, if you want to spend time with him early on in the morning, that's awesome. But don't do what I did for so many years and think, if I miss this time, then I, you know, you kind of feel like you can't pray the rest of your day, because like I didn't start the conversation on my knees, and so now like when I want to pray in the middle of the day, I can't pray. Like that's, that's not a thing. That is not a thing. You can talk to Jesus all the time, no matter how much time you have at the beginning or the end. Jesus is available for this kind of conversation anytime. I don't have an appeal for you where you come up front or you raise your hand, but I do have a personal application that I highly recommend. This is an appeal, an application. Definitely do it today, but I encourage you to do it every day of GYC and strive to do it every day the rest of your life. This is something I strive to do every day. Do I always do it? No, because sometimes I forget or I get distracted. But this is something that we can all strive to do. Talk with Jesus about what's on your mind right now. I'm going to guess that while I was talking, the Holy Spirit brought something or many somethings to your mind. Yeah, that. That. Talk to Jesus about that. Even, especially, if you're avoiding it. Whether it's theologically complex, it's deeply personal, or emotionally charged, Jesus can handle it, and he can't wait to talk with you. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, we thank you so much for being the God that you are. We thank you for caring. We thank you for being unoverwhelmed by the things that we bring to you. Help us to be authentic, help us to be courageous, and help us to trust you. Guide us even now is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC Conference Nothing in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take sacrificial initiative for Christ and to see Jesus finish the work in this generation. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.